Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, this uh, dark time that we find ourselves in has given birth to a lot of really powerful Facebook meme culture. No, that's definitely true. The memes, they move so fast mm-hmm. these days. Yeah. Uh, you can barely keep up. You can, uh, the the one with the guy who's walking with the one girl, but he's turning around to check out the other girl. Mm-hmm. That one's getting a lot of use for a lot of different Yeah, reasons. a lot of different purposes. See that one. A lot of the uh, this is fine dog with the coffee cup on yeah, fire. Yeah, the, 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 the this is fine dog is is sort of uh-huh. yeah is is ubiquitous at this point, and yeah. really so. Uh, one in particular that has surfaced that uh, I actually saw required Snopes to check into recently is I think something worth discussing on our show because it is referencing. Oh, let me start recording. Hold on. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I thought you were serious for a second. No. <laughs> I was going to say, what have we been doing? <laughs> this is how we always talk to each other. So, Sitting at a table, <laughs> six feet away. Mm-hmm. While I'm looking at my computer screen and timing us. Uh, so this one is interesting because it is based on medical history and it has some fact, but also not exactly right. A little inaccurate. I mean, not untrue, but... I think Snopes rated it mixed. So, mm. you know, it's it, there's some fact in there, but it's also not quite right. But it's being used to argue a point that is true and valid and I agree with, but I would never think we should use something that's not accurate to support our cause. You know, whatever I'm, side you're on, it should only be based on facts and truth and not... That's our side. That's the side we're on. Right. So so I think it's worth delving into so that we can talk about why it is important and relevant, just maybe not exactly in the in the way your aunt shared it on Facebook. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm ready. Not your aunt. Just... Not my aunt. This, your, just the, the ubiquitous Facebook aunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I want to talk about parades and disease. Okay. Uh, This is especially important in light of the fact that in the last, this, I think when we recorded our last episode was the day of the president's press conference when he introduced his plan to make America back open, open up again, but whatever it is. Make America back open up again. (laughs) That's what it was. (laughs) Something to that effect. Uh, That's such a, it's such a tricky thing. Obviously, there's been a huge impact on the economy. Obviously, people are struggling. The economy, when we talk about the economy in this vague sense, it's important to remember, like, these are made up of people. The economy is made up of humans who are working and don't have jobs right now and need money and support and an income. And uh, obviously, that's a problem. There's a lot of pushback from the medical and scientific community, and I would put myself in there, that we have to be careful how we do this. Yes, of course, this is a problem. But perhaps we could look at other ways of supporting the citizens of our nation as opposed to forcing them back to work into dangerous situations that might create another spike of cases and lead to uh, overwhelming our medical system, which is what we've all been sacrificing to try to avoid. Right. right? It would make all of this flattening the curve for nothing if we all rushed back into the world. I can't, my heart can't take that. It has to be for something. <laughs> and it would just mean not only, of course, more people would get sick, some people would die and our our medical system would be completely overwhelmed again, leading to the endangerment of all of our healthcare workers as well as all of our other essential workers. 
Uh, it would also mean we would have to be isolating longer. Boo, hiss. So let's do it right. We don't have enough tests. We don't have enough PPE to do any of the phases that were laid out at the press conference yet. Hopefully we will. But we're not there yet. Yeah. I'm so, looking at you, Georgia. <laughs> Georgia. Just even even like Trump said Georgia was wrong, right? Hey, Georgia, if Trump's like, that's reckless, <laughs> you probably should pump the brakes. Come on, Georgia. Yikes. I used to live there and you're really, you're really embarrassing me right now. Mm-hmm. Embarrassing yourself. Too. Yeah. And, and Tabby Island and the Varsity. You're embarrassing <laughs> all the great Georgia <laughs> Georgia landmarks and Waycross and the Okie Finoki Swamp and your excellent aquarium mm-hmm. and the Braves and Ted Turner, Montana Ted, <laughs> as he insists I call him, and my friend Carolyn and your city's friend Carolyn and her family. <laughs> Everybody, we're all ex- equally in, in the Olympic Park. Come on, Georgia, <laughs> that big Ferris wheel. We're all equally ashamed. <laughs> we really do love Atlanta, though. Yeah, we love Atlanta. Uh, so if we I like to look when when things are complicated, when we're trying to find a way out of a difficult situation, I think it's helpful to look to the past and see, like, where did we screw up before? Because we usually try to screw it up that way again. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could not this time. Maybe there's a lesson we could learn. And this meme about the Liberty Loan Parade, the fourth Liberty Loan Parade, I should say, uh, in Philadelphia on September 28th of 1918 has been shared a lot. Now, you had not seen it, right, Justin? No, but I... Um, mm. I'm pretty choosy about my follows, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. this time of year, this was everywhere. This time of time, I mean, and it, and it it a lot of articles came from this recent articles. Now, I tried to read about all, all of this in pre-COVID articles, journal articles, and historical accounts of the time, because everything looks different in light of current events. So. Mm-hmm. I tried to look into the history of this parade. Was it as reckless as the the accusation of the Facebook meme is that the influenza pandemic of 1918, which is often called the Spanish flu, even though that's not really fair. Uh, As we've discussed on the show previously, the Spanish flu was only called that because at the time Spain was neutral during World War One. And so they did not have a media blackout on reporting like illness. Hmm. But all the other countries where the flu was occurring didn't want to say that out loud because it would look, you know, I mean, it would it, was, it would weaken them, weaken their position. And so Spain reported it. So they got tagged with it. Hmm. But it was not in any way Spanish in origin. Uh, but the accusation is that because uh, even though the epidemic had the pandemic had been kind of halted and was under control, then Philadelphia loosened its. Uh, social distancing restrictions in order to have this parade. And after this parade, there was a huge spike in cases. And as I already said, there's truth in there. The parade happened. There was the, there are actually three peaks to the uh, Spanish flu. I, sh- I should say the influenza pandemic of 1918 to be fair to Spain. I think Spain's over it. And that's such a <laughs> mouthful. Saying, I think Spain's fair. fine. Uh, it is a misnomer, but to be fair. Uh, but the, there are actually three peaks and there, you know, there, so there was a second wave around this time and it was the worst of the three, but it is not tied to exactly this parade or the later parades. Like some of the memes tie it to the Armistice Day parades that occurred later on. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other thing. So there's truth in here, but it's muddled um, because I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the I want to talk a little bit about Boston and I want to talk about San Francisco and masks because everybody has a history that they're not thrilled about. Not just poor Philadelphia, who gets uh, as maligned as Georgia was at the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's fascinating to read about is that even if you look at articles written before this pandemic, you can find tons of connection between the influenza pandemic of 1918 and coronavirus today. There's there's lots of things that are said that are, I mean, eerie in how similar and how well they apply to the current situation, which is which is frustrating. Right. Right. Because I mean, some of them are in reference to H1N1, which we think of as as sort of like a a bullet dodged in that it was bad, but not nearly as bad as we feared it could be. And we still yet were somehow caught with our pants down. Yeah, Uh, it it was at a time this the Spanish flu occurred at a time when 
transportation across the country was uh, available. It had advanced in a way that it never had before and, and across the oceans that you could move. People were more mobile than they had ever been before at this point in history. Um, obviously, that is true today, only even more so. Uh, a pandemic was possible in a way that it had never really been like to spread as quickly just because transportation was so much faster right. and easier and so many more people could do it. Communication between different parts of the world was available in a way it never had been before. So you could know about things that were happening overseas, about new illnesses that had sprung up even before they hit your shores. And you could take advantage of that or not, depending on if you were paying attention or not. Uh, but all of this was new, again, similar to today. And the presence of uh, the media to report on these things, this was really the the first big boom of that in uh, especially American history, where all of this is being covered constantly uh, because th this is when kind of the realization that disease sells papers mm. – hit and so all of this is being you know broadcast to the public constantly and that's really shaping their perception of the events and their reaction to the events um they, there was a strong public health system in place because of uh the a, a more recent influenza epidemic one in the late 1800s there was a public health system to address this stuff. There is a feeling that because we understood germ theory pretty well now, it was much more widely accepted, not completely, but but still more so, uh, and how disease were, diseases were transmitted. And we understood things about isolation and quarantine because of tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. We really felt like we were set for anything. We had it. Like we had it. Under control. We were great. Not again. This is the first time. Okay. <laughs> it's again now. Again. Now is now is the again, the again. So it's still disputed exactly where this what it's an avian flu. You know, it, the genetics of it seem to have come from a bird at mm -hmm. some point. So uh, all the pigs are always involved. Right. When it comes to the flu, there's always some chickens and pigs involved in there somewhere. You can blame one or the other, but it's all it's all chicken and pigs. <laughs> it's all the flu. So somewhere it jumped from an animal to a human. It's often been targeted to Kansas. Hmm. Uh, as the the where it first appeared, although it's it's hard to say. We're not exactly sure. It may have come from U.S. soil. The first person said that pig looks sick, but I'm going to kiss it anyway. <laughs> Perhaps. 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 Uh, there were cases initially in the spring of 2018, largely associated with military installations. Mm -hmm. And this is not a conspiracy theory thing, although I think it's interesting that was floated from time to time during the course of the year, especially as things got worse. That it was a targeted biological attack. During Did Germany the... do this? Mm. I, Did I, they? I know, <laughs> no, but it doesn't seem so outrageous when you hear some of the conspiracy theories out there. Yeah, that's right. Today. Uh, which, by the way, I think it's always relevant to point out that uh, the novel coronavirus, which causes the disease COVID, did not originate in a lab anywhere on this planet. It originated in an animal and then jumped to a human. And that is very unfortunate luck for humans. But that's it. There is no conspiracy. Okay. I just feel like that should be reiterated. I'm just going to take your word for it, I guess. Well, that's the truth. That's, I'll just take the, that's what the genetics say. Okay. The, science. Yeah. Anyway, science says it. So there was this thought, oh, was it something to do with Germany? No, it's really just it appeared on these military installations because of crowding. Mm, sure. Lots yeah. of people living close together. Right. Yeah. Uh, places, any place where people live close together and moved all over the place could spread it easily. And so you have soldiers being moved throughout the country and carrying the virus with them uh, there. Like I said, it started with this cluster of cases in canvas in Kansas that were reported in April. Uh, there was another one in May. Um, but this wave, this first peak mm -hmm. of the flu really wasn't that bad, all things considered. It okay. certainly wasn't as bad as it was going to get. Uh, throughout the spring, it was not obvious that this was a giant issue yet. Uh, and as we kind of move into the summer, you still have troops moving all over the country. So you've got people going from Boston to Philly to Kansas to New Orleans to the Puget Sound or the Great Lakes to Quebec all over North America. But then as summer hits, we start shipping our American GIs along with their flu virus overseas. Exporting. Exporting culture. it to Europe. <laughs> and 
uh, somewhere, and even though on the U.S. end, things seem to start calming as we moved into the summer, Mm -hmm. which has, again, been cited, I think, in this current, like the idea that, well, in the summer, things will calm down. The heat will calm it down. So things did seem to calm down over the summer of 1918 for the U.S. somewhat, even as we start to see cases climbing throughout Europe and we start to see the pandemic burn throughout Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the fall, we knew a lot more about it as a as a world, as a world community. We knew there's a flu out there that seems pretty bad. And it also seems to have gotten worse, which probably did happen. The thought now is that there was some sort of mutation that occurred over that summer as soldiers were being transported all over the world and being stuck in, you know, close quarters together. At some point, the virus got worse. I thought, um, haven't you told me before that usually when viruses mutate, they mutate to get weaker? Well, this one didn't. (laughs) Dang. No, I I guess that's why you say usually. (laughs) Not necessarily, but. Yeah, I mean the ones that the ones that make the most people sort of sick and are spread while keeping people well enough to continue out into the community are selected for, right? Whereas the ones that send you straight to bed and then you can't leave and you can't interact with humans don't, you know, they're out competed. Mm, makes sense. Uh, but in this case, somewhere in there, the flu tended to seem to get deadlier. And it was a lot more merciless into who it, in who it targeted. The first wave, like most influenza, uh, seasonal flu outbreaks tended to target the very young and the very old. Whereas as we enter into late summer, early fall, we start seeing everybody getting sick. Yeah. You know, healthy young adults all of a sudden our soldiers, troops are getting sick. Um, and I think we've said this before, but it bears mentioning the influenza pandemic of 1918 and, and into 1919 killed more people both soldiers and civilians than the war did the war itself, than World, yeah. World War One. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, as we look into the summer, I was like half of British troops were infected. I mean, it was, it was all over the place. So as we move into the fall, we know there's this risk. We know that it's what we called at the time a crowd disease. This is not something you got while you were isolated in your home. This is something that you got when you were out in the world. Okay. So we understood its infectious nature. Uh, there was an outbreak at Fort Devens outside Boston in September, and that was kind of a red flag. Um, that was a pretty big outbreak, and a lot of people were nervous about it. And even though people were sick there, they were still shipping those soldiers out who had been exposed to the flu there at Fort Devens to other bases all over the country, which, of course, helped spread the virus um and in the interest of fairness i think we should point out that boston also had a parade around that time boston (laughs) so it's not just philadelphia that was parade happy Uh, on september 3rd boston had a win the war with freedom parade and it featured a lot of the um soldiers that were stationed there that that were at that base so a lot of people who were infected went out into the streets and partied and then we saw a lot more spread of flu among the community parades aren't even that fun guys i don't know if you if you all can hang in there for like 20 more years tv is going to be invented and then you'll see you don't need parades you don't need a parade you don't need parades no especially like did they even have any of the big balloons do you guys even have big balloons (laughs) uh there were already places where where public health officials started trying to say things about social distancing this is really where like did they call it that is that an old term yeah social distancing hmm um, you, you really start to see these measures in place pretty quickly. Uh, but almost immediately, you also see the business community and a lot of like larger business, like wealthy, the owners of larger businesses pushing back against this and saying like, now, wait a second, we're Americans. We have our freedoms. We got our rights. That was one big argument. The other was you can't just crash the economy for the flu. I'm glad we agree with that. <laughs> I'm glad we learned our lesson there. Uh, Theaters were closed before a lot of other things and theater owners felt very singled out because there was even a period of time in a lot of places where like bars and restaurants were still open, but theaters were closed. That's wild. Right. Which seems silly. Um, The non-essential businesses started complaining about essential ones and questioned what the definition was and all the quibbling that we have seen, I think now it was the same thing. It was the same thing. And there was no safety net. There were people living paycheck to paycheck just as they are now. There were people who uh, not having their kids in school meant they didn't know who was going to take care of them and somebody had to take time off work. There was no universal child care mm-hmm. as there is 
none now. Also, there was no universal health care. So all the same issues that made this incredibly difficult then are, of course, still in place now. Yeah, I didn't fix any of those, per se. No. Uh, and we, do so, have, we do have streaming, which they did not then. So we did fix that because I'm sure they were also very bored. They probably played like Gin Rummy or something. In uh, in in one of the articles I read, you're, you, you're kind of skipping ahead, but it's okay. The author specifically mentions that maybe the easy availability of entertainment, things like streaming services, would make it so that a future pandemic would not be so taxing on humanity. You're saying, and when is this from? That article was written during, it was 2009, during h one Oh, I thought it was like during 1918. They're like, <laughs> listen, if y'all can just invent Netflix, please. We're so bored. <laughs> and then she said, I'm the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so by the fall, we knew something was up. There were people speaking out saying, we got to do something. We got to stop this. This seems to be worse. Whatever was happening in the spring, it's way worse now. More people are getting sick. People are getting way sicker than they were. Um, And so when Philadelphia started planning their fourth Liberty Loan Parade, you can see why it's easy to go to look back and go, what Uh were you thinking? What were you thinking? Uh, At that uh, around that same time, St. Louis actually had a similar parade, like a same kind of theme and stuff. They canceled theirs. But Philadelphia decided to to have theirs. And they, these were, by the way, parades that were held a lot of places throughout the U.S. to help raise money for war bonds, to, like, get you all excited. Good cause. patriotic. I guess. But. <laughs> right. Uh, but it was. But it was. And, and it was also, like, something to hold up. Like, look how much money my city raised for right. the war effort. So it was a big deal to not have one of these parades. There was a lot of political pressure to have it. There was a lot of uh, economic pressure. And the people probably wanted it, assuming that it's safe. And, you know, when you hold a big giant parade, it sends the message to citizens that it is safe to hold a big giant parade. That's true. Whether it is or not. Uh, The outbreak in Philadelphia at that point was largely in the Naval Yard among, again, members of the military. Some had come directly from Boston. Uh, And there was not this is one of those things that's been debated much since then. The public health officer, William Cruzen, who was in charge kind of like the the lead at the health department in Philadelphia. Uh, it's it's much debated how much he knew or mm-hmm. what he thought or what pressures he was bending to by allowing this parade to go forward. Or I should say, could he have even stopped it? If he had spoken out against it, many would say like, well, he would have just been fired. Yeah. And then he wouldn't have been able to help later when things as you probably guess, are going to get bad. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's easy to look back and find a, a bad guy. I think we see now that there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on governors and mayors and health department officials from a lot of different places. Um, and to, to open back up and get things moving again. Yes. And so I don't think it's so easy to find one person that is the is the bad guy and i don't know if there was a big outcry from the medical community i didn't find evidence that there was like a a huge group of doctors who were going you can't have this parade you can't do it it's going to be terrible i think Mm -hmm. there was like one guy who wrote an article about it like a week later but like you don't see this giant thundering cry to not have the parade right if it maybe it was there maybe it existed and maybe cruz and ignored it it's hard to say regardless the parade happened Yes. On September 28th, 200,000 people packed the side the sidewalks of Broad Street in Philadelphia. I'm assuming there was repercussions from this. I'm going to tell you what they were, Justin, after we go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the 
easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. So, Sydney, um, before the parade passes by, I need to know what happened after the parade passed by. It it, does, it doesn't work <laughs> it, exactly. I don't think it works here. No. What do you think happened, Justin? If you had to wager a guess. People got sick. They didn't feel yeah. good. They got sick. From it, from the parade. One big difference between influenza and the coronavirus Mm -hmm. is that people knew they were sick a lot faster. You didn't have quite as long an incubation period. That'd be nice if that was the case for coronavirus, just for for testing and and understanding how we're managing the disease. It seems so hard to like, so who have you talked to in the past Mm -hmm. two weeks? You know, what have been the last two weeks? That is advantage coronavirus there. Uh, what are some other things that you like about coronavirus, Dr. McElroy? No. Sheesh, if you're going to list all its great attributes. Shocker. Medical History Podcast host loves coronavirus, is a don't big fan. That. Somebody's going to edit that into a clip. and No, please don't do that. No, I do not. I do not love coronavirus. Uh, it is an advantage. You're just saying it has some. You're it, saying no, it, it has, has its a, advantages. It's, no, it's advantage over flu. <laughs> if the two viruses were fighting in my head, they are now. I'm seeing it. You can see it, too. Just look up some pic. Anyway. However, the consequences were Swift. Taylor Swift. Canceling all her concerts in 1918 (laughs) because of the spread of the Spanish flu. Because she knew. No. Within 72 hours of the parade, every bed in Philadelphia's 31 hospitals was filled. That's that quick turnaround on on the flu there. Yeah. Yeah. and by the next week, 2,600 people in Philadelphia had died. Dang. From the flu. Hope complications that, of flu. I hope that was a good parade. By about a week later. A little over a week. Maybe two weeks, actually. It was a, a very good parade. I hope they were tossing out full-size candy bars or something. Uh, a week after that, it was 4,500. Hachi machi. So, uh, and, and because I think this is particularly relevant, even though, like, as you can already tell, the timeline is a little off here. And there were other reasons it, social distancing was not completely in place. It's not like they lifted it for the parade. This is early into the fall. The worst month of the flu in in this country would be October. Right. So we weren't into the worst of it yet. And so it's debatable. 
to sit here and say like they knew and they lifted all these restrictions for a parade and look what happened. Right. Uh, they weren't quite doing it right it, because the worst would is yet to come. But it was definitely made worse by events like this, mm-hmm. like this parade. And there's definitely a, a voice that says you, you didn't know. Somebody didn't know. Somebody, Somebody didn't wasn't. Say I mean, if St. Louis canceled theirs, like certainly word had gotten around. Somebody knew something. And it's easy to look back and see there were a handful of cities who did things really well during this pandemic, and a handful of cities who really didn't. And so somebody knew something. Uh, most of the city's medical professionals were actually gone, which worsened. Uh, certainly, which added to the the death toll in, in the war. That yes, they were gone in the war effort, and so the system was completely overwhelmed. I mean, complete everything we've been talking about. We wanted to avoid uh, by flattening the curve. I think what, uh, unfortunately, it seems like a lot of my colleagues in New York have been experiencing. They were overwhelmed. The system was not prepared to hold the number of patients it would see all at once, and and none of the system. Just I mean, obviously, the hospitals themselves, the the doctors, nurses. There weren't enough of any of any kind of medical professional, but all the other services too. I mean, even like the the funeral parlors. Yeah. And, and, you know, the morgue was overwhelmed. Um, yeah. It was it was a gruesome scene in Philadelphia following this parade, which you can see why it has left this mark on history because of all that. Uh, afterwards, Cruzen and all the other doctors and, and city health officials responded by closing, closing schools, churches, bars, stores, everything. I mean, locked the place down, did all the stuff and more that we're mm-hmm. doing now. Um, but. I think most of the damage had already been done. Uh, and and it is true that as fall turned into winter, we actually saw a little bit of a downslope in cases, probably secondary to a lot of uh, cities doing what Philadelphia did, kind of shutting the doors. Shutting it down, yeah. Um, and then we did see a third wave, a third spike in cases as we go into the winter at the end of 2018 into 2019, which does follow... You know, Armistice Day is in November. You have all the parade. There were parades and parties and celebrations that happened throughout November after that and into December. Um, And we did see another spike in cases. It was not as bad as that second wave. That second wave, it's uh, it's a W curve, if you can imagine. And the the middle of the W was definitely the worst of this flu pandemic. Um, There were different protocols, like I said, throughout the city. Uh, or throughout the country. Um, and there were a lot of things that were d- similar to here. And there were a lot of things that were similar to now. Uh, some places mandated that you wear masks. Um, there was a huge effort for at home. People who, so largely women at the time, were asked to make homemade masks to hmm. hand out to people uh, to because nobody had any. You know, they, yeah. there were some, I mean, there were medical masks, but if most people at home didn't have masks um they did things like banning public spitting at this time which hey why why did we wait so long to ban public spitting if we could have just banned that i'm so glad i li- i have lived in the time since spitting in public was sort of mm-hmm. like frowned upon. i know it's not banned but like it's basically banned i mean like it's, can- I don't, it's I don't canceled see, which is worse. it's canceled i don't see a lot of people spitting in public no. make, oh, it's so spitting gross. in public is canceled spit is spit is so gross guys spit is gross Cindy gets really yucked out about spit. It's like the one thing. It's one. It's my one yuck. Uh, in play in Mobile, Alabama, the public health officers advised against kissing. They actually put out a. You couldn't like get arrested for kissing, but they would tell you like, "Hey, stop that! Please don't. Don't kiss. It's dangerous. <laughs> Kissing's dangerous." Uh, in San Francisco they did mandate that you had to wear masks in public places. That was one of the few places that actually enforced it. You know, a lot of places may have recommended it kind of like we have now, right? Like nobody's going to, at least here in West Virginia, I'm not going to get stopped on the street if I'm not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is recommended that I wear a mask and I would. And you should, Justin, I'm looking at you. I'm I'm, I'm just, it's just you and me in the room. I know. I don't need a mask. Well, not right now. I just mean, you know, if you're out. No, I wear one if I'm out. I know you do. It's reinforcing. Yeah. It, I'm not even that creeped out when I see people wearing them like I used to be. No, it's becoming, yeah, I think it's becoming more culturally I remember accepted. flying when we went to the, went on the cruise, get, like getting to the airport. I remember seeing people in masks uh, and it kind of weirding me out. I'm, I'm wondering if, I bet that even after this is sorted, like, you're still going to see, 
I think that culturally we might move towards where some of the mm-hmm. Asian countries where that's like a common courtesy. If you're sick, you wear, mm-hmm. you know, a mask usually. I think you're definitely right that masks are going to become a lot more like accepted mm-hmm. as I mean, because it, it does stand. It, it did prior to this definitely stand out, I think, in this country if you were walking around with a mask on. Plus, if I know America, if there's something you could put brands on. They're, we're going to have a bajillion of them in different styles and colors and cuts. Yes. They are surfaced to me already. I don't, yeah. Probably from the research I did on the mask episode. I get those surfaced to me a lot, those ads. Uh, so in San Francisco, this was mandated. And uh, initially it was just for people who work in jobs like um, customer facing kind of jobs, like a bank teller or a bartender sure. had to wear a mask. Uh, but by the end of October, it was just a general mandate. If you're out in public, you got to wear a mask and you could face a fine. You could face jail time if you didn't comply. Um, it was a big deal. Uh, even uh, the mayor actually during a, a even though he did believe in this and supported this, during a boxing match, he was photographed with his mask, like hanging off of his ear, mm-hmm. not wearing it. And he, <laughs> he was fined $50 by the chief of police. I saw maybe uh, today this, I, I made my, my extremely rare shopping trip today. Uh, and I saw so many people who had it. Like I saw a woman who was working at the store, pull down her mask to yell for someone else and then pull <laughs> her mask back up. Literally half the masks blow your nose. Folks. Remember, if it's below your nose, it's not doing anything. That's right. Don't pull it. Don't. If it, A chin strap will not help you in the fight against coronavirus or anyone else, I should say. The masks are really more for other people than you, which might, if you think about it as an altruistic thing, I don't know if that helps people maybe, maybe. be a little more conscious of it. But yeah, it has to be covering your nose and your mouth the whole time while you're talking. And if you need to eat and drink, you shouldn't be doing that out in public where other people are. Mm-hmm. That's the, I mean, unfortunately, right. that's the thing right now. Yeah. Um, so don't you shouldn't pull it down and you shouldn't have it dangling off of your ear. And Mr. So, <laughs> and because there was this this mandate only lasted about a month initially. And then in January, they brought it back because of that second that third wave, I should say that third spike of cases in January. They re, they went ahead and reissued the mandate that you have to wear a mask in public. And this time people were organized against it. They were mad about it the first time. It only lasted about a month. They didn't have enough time to like make signs, I guess they needed some time. And so by January they made some signs and they formed the anti-mask league is what they were called. And they protested to the state government and said, like, San Francisco's being unfair. I don't want to wear a mask. This is wrong. I burp and, in it and get stuck. It's terrible. <laughs> and of course, even like now, there were doctors who supported them and were like, yeah, we shouldn't have to wear masks. This is ridiculous. And I see doctors saying that kind of stuff. Now, I'm for, there's hey, there's bad apples in every profession. Uh, and there were people from other health department officials and other areas and from the council who were like, yeah, I don't want to wear a mask. It's individual rights. A lot of it was based in that. This mm-hmm. is our right as an American to expose everybody to, to viral particles yeah. flinging from my mouth when I talk. Um, so the fight lasted about a month and it was a, like I said, it was a, a large anti-mask league. There were like 4,000 people or something as part of this league who went and mm-hmm. protested. Um, there's just a good number of people to get that mad about having to wear a mask. Don't you love seeing people protesting the lockdown now wearing masks out about <laughs> like, okay, bud. Right. I'm still trying to parse the guy who was dressed as George Washington. Yeah. Yeah. That was a look. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there were protests. More people, though, agreed with the masks. And it did make an impact because the majority of people did wear masks when they were polled, the vast majority. And I think that's true today. These protests look big depending on the camera angle they're being filmed from. But uh, the vast majority of people want to stay social distanced and stay safe and don't want to risk their lives or their grandparents' lives to fix the stock market uh if you're interested more about the anti-mask league by the way i got this tip from a twitter thread from an npr investigative reporter named tim mock um it was a really cool uh thread that really delves deep into this whole anti-mask league and the history of that in san francisco so he's at tim k mock m-a-k no in case you're curious that's where i i found the tip off from it there and then um but he he goes into way more detail uh so 
in various parts of the country, various responses. Some places did really well with social distancing and with wearing masks and with hygiene. There was a huge hygiene movement that came out of this. It was actually specifically targeted at men because men were seen as having like really poor personal hygiene because they didn't think it was manly. Like it was manly to walk around spitting and coughing on your sleeve and being grody and being like grody and booger covered or whatever. I don't know. Is that manly? Yeah, booger, boogers, Superman. Boogers, dirty. Yeah, uh, you are asking dirty hands. Wrong, you are asking the wrong cat about what's manly. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry, barking <laughs> up the wrong podcaster. I should have known that by now. Yeah. Uh, but it, but there was actually a big movement targeted mainly at men to like, hey, no, it's it's cool, it's manly to wash your hands, it's manly not to spit, be a be a real man and protect others by wearing a mask. That yeah. was uh, and like even the Boy Scouts like got what involved if we put in this. Flames on it, <laughs> but there there was there was this big movement of uh, hygiene as a result of this and and that kind of thing. Um, but all things told, the influenza pandemic of nineteen eighteen nineteen nineteen had a huge impact on human history. Five hundred million people—that's a third of the world's population—became infected. The the estimated number of deaths was around 50 million worldwide, 675,000 in the United States. As I said, it was responsible for more deaths than World War One. Uh, and and it it changed, you know, I think certainly the course of human history. It's it's that's been a, thought that perhaps Wilson had more, the flu. That's 10 percent mortality. That's a very bad flu. Yeah. It was a, it was a, well, it was a bad flu. And then also it was a, it was a hundred years ago. So our ability to support somebody, you know, and treat someone who, who has this influenza, but still, no, it was a terrible, terrible influenza pandemic. Um, And you would hope that when you can look back on something like this in history and there, there are, while it is often called like the forgotten pandemic and stuff. Uh, it's been called that in enough books about it <laughs> that I feel like <laughs> we does, remember now. We remember it. It doesn't have to be forgotten. All this, all this information that I use to create the show is based on articles that were written for the most part before what's happening now. I found like that Twitter thread that that's current that led me to research. But all of this was written before, and the lessons that we're supposed to have learned have been laid out for us over the past 100 years uh, and especially if you look to 2009 with h1n1 when we didn't know how bad it was going to be you see a ton of academic work surrounding that that's saying that compares it to the spanish flu and then looks forward and says what can we do to prepare for when something like that happens again um, and it's very frustrating to read that because all of this stuff we're talking about, you see the corollary in, in our life today. Yeah, but Sid, that's just, I'm, I know where you're coming from, but also that's just humans. That's just, it's like fool me once, shame on me, fool me, shame on you, fool me twice. That was a hundred years ago. I don't know what happened to that other guy. Fool me again. I don't know. Let's see how it goes. I think that excuse- we are incapable of actually preparing. If we were to prepare for all the different worst case scenarios in the way that we really should, that would be all that we do. That that I'm saying, I know, I maybe I'm, I, and I'm not being anti-science there. I'm just saying, like, I don't think humans can. I, I just don't think we're good at that kind of thing. But in all these articles that I read, I, the, the academics, scientists, epidemiologists, uh, medical doctors, public health officials. People who know these things, who are who went to school, who paid to learn these things and are now paid to know these things and use these things in -hmm. in everyday life. They have been telling us that this was coming, not this exactly or at this time. Yeah, but they weren't saying it was here. (laughs) You understand? (laughs) The, The nature of pandemic is that it's everywhere. Yeah, but they weren't. It wasn't happening yet. So it seemed like we still had some time. You know when you mean to buy salt for your driveway because it seems mm-hmm. like it might snow mm-hmm. soon, but you're like, it hasn't snowed yet. And then when you go to buy it, the all the, the salt is gone because it did snow and everybody needs salt at the same time. I'm saying that's the situation we find ourselves in. Um, this what is I not to say... excuse. This is not to excuse the government for not preparing for this mm-hmm. pandemic when they saw it coming three months ago. This is not what I'm saying, and we should have had preparedness plans in place. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. Yes. If you look around the globe, a lot of people weren't great at 
preparing for this a pandemic because I just don't think human beings work that way. I just don't think we think that way. Well, maybe we need to start if we didn't with the last, you know, pandemics. That was a hundred years ago. But they didn't even H1N1 have was a giant warning. I mean, like, a, and a devastating warning. I mean, plenty of people died from H1N1. Like, it was a... Yeah, but we dodged it and then we got high <laughs> off of that. We felt immortal. <laughs> we felt so good. We got so... We no, got we got, we got hit with a bunch of... Uh, serotonin from dot and adrenaline from dodging that bullet whoa never felt so alive probably forgot about it because that's how humans are that's just how we are our the thought process by a lot of academics and during h1n1 is that like i said we would be so much better prepared now because people would be more scientifically literate and they would understand the importance of social distancing so much better and you wouldn't have things like public officials who stand at a boxing match during a pandemic with their mask dangling off their ear, you wouldn't have those kinds of slip ups. You wouldn't have Ben Carson standing at the podium, touching his face as he tells people not to touch their face. I mean, you wouldn't have those kinds of things was the prediction. Mm. Um, And that it would be so easy for everybody to social distance because certainly by the year 2020, we should have, you know, some sort of social safety net for, the economy for people's for people who are living paycheck to paycheck so that it doesn't have to be that way child care and um health insurance now that i want to get out in front of that absolutely you know i'm on board with that for sure right i hope so no argument there love health care think everybody should get it but what i would say about this facebook meme is that even though they've muddled the timeline a little bit and it wasn't quite that extreme there is a lot we can draw from this pandemic and say, look, we knew a hundred years ago that these methods could be useful and, and indeed could keep us from having more cases than are necessary and from overwhelming our medical system, which saves lives because if everybody who needs one can get a ventilator, more people live. Yes. You know, if everybody who needs one can be in a hospital, more people live. So there are lessons we could draw from and practice today um, and, uh, I, I think that bending to political pressures and, you know, business interests, which is what a lot of this is coming from, right? From yes. like mega wealthy business owners. Um, I, I think we see the consequences of that. We can see that played out in different places around the, around the country at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the articles I was reading, uh, is from Kenneth C. Davis who wrote more deadly than war, the hidden history of the Spanish flu in the first world war. And, and I was reading an article then again, this predates our current pandemic. Um, but I found it very prescient. Um, he, he talks about, this was actually written. This article was written in 2018, on the eve of November 11th, the 100 day, 100 years since the uh, you know end of, of World War One, uh, and he says there will be parades and public ceremonies highlighting the enormous losses and long lasting impact of that global conflict. But it will also be a good moment to remember the damaging costs of short sighted medical decisions shaped by politics during a pandemic that was more deadly than war. Hmm. And I just think I think it's really important to remember that that this is a long game. Keeping people alive and keeping them safe is a long game. And we can't we can't just look to tomorrow. We have to look to what we're going to be doing for the next year until a hopefully an effective vaccine is available for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and one thing we don't need to be doing is ingesting or injecting disinfectants. Well, that took, a weird, that took a weird turn at the end. Sid. That just happened. And I feel like it should be mentioned. We be. did. We did a whole episode on not drinking bleach. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't know if I specifically said don't inject bleach. Shouldn't inject bleach or any disinfectant. No. And if you see people talking about the hydrogen peroxide IV as evidence for that, that's also fake. Mm. I think we covered it on the hydrogen peroxide episode. Fake. No, that is that is also a also huge... sunlight uh, we've discussed. Yes, the, and and the hydrogen peroxide IV therapy specifically is hugely dangerous. Please do not pursue that. Um, sunlight probably less dangerous unless you're talking about standing out in direct sunlight for long periods of time without sunscreen in which case it is dangerous so Mm -hmm. you should wear sunscreen is that all the nonsense we need to refute i think so (laughs) for this week for this week yeah we should actually stop recording so no, no new nonsense comes onto the desk i feel like it's happening please keep social distancing please keep staying home to protect those 
that you love and even those you don't love. Let's just protect it. Why not? Heck, let's Heck. protect everybody right now. Um, please stick to that. And- I, I, I want to make a point because I feel like I, I need to circle back on something real quick that's, that I was talking about. I I am not in any way trying to dismiss the uh, the the lack of preparation from this administration with regards to coronavirus. I'm not in any way saying that. I'm saying that humanity is just bad at planning for for worst case scenarios. But I think what uh, the the this, the other part of that is, I feel like humanity, the when we're at our best, can be really good at reacting to them when they happen. And that is, I think that's what's hard for me to see now is seeing people who aren't answering that call and sort of like, okay, this is the trade-off for not being good at preparing for this stuff is we got to be good at like handling it. And and I think that that's the the least that any of us can do right now is like try to try to try to rise to that. And that's what is frustrating to me. I think I think it's very true. And I, I think in a vacuum of leadership, unfortunately, mm. that kind of I mean, you don't know who to trust and you don't know who to believe. Mm. Um, Fauci. Anthony Fauci, Fauci is the answer if you are looking for who to trust and who to believe. Yeah, just Fauci. Look to Anthony Fauci. Everyone, please keep Anthony Fauci safe. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for us. You can put him somewhere with RBG. Yeah, that's going to do it for us, but about six feet away. That's going to do it for us for this because you know they'll fall in love. That's just how. That's going to do it for this, happily, for this. They're both happily married. You took, put two beautiful sexual people in a room, said. I can't with this. No. Who are, who are, who, Social distancing. No. Um, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. Hope you're staying safe, staying sane, and as much as it is possible. Uh, thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank you to you so much for listening, um, especially in these times when there's so much uh, gobbledygook and nonsense going on out there. Um, why, why don't you share the show with, with people? We, we would sure appreciate it. Um, that the sawboneshow.com is a good URL that you can use that takes us to to the podcast or share a link to iTunes whatever podcasting thing you use and leave a rating review whatever we, we sure appreciate it but that is going to do it for us for this week so until next time my name is Justin McElroy I'm Sydney McElroy and as always don't drill a hole in your head Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.